Welcome to Alchemical Conversations. I'm Elior. And I'm Danny. In this episode, we're going to talk about the astrology of Star Trek The Next Generation. That's right. We're going to talk about it from an astrological perspective, which is also a psychological perspective. Um, meaning, we're going to look at each of the characters of Star Trek as uh, corresponding to a planet that we talk about in astrology and a planet which is also an archetype. It has a personality and an influence on our lives. What we're going to look at in Star Trek is really how each person embodies this archetypal image of uh, of a planet, of a sphere in Kabbalah. We call it a sphere or a sephira. Yeah, if you look at the crew of the the Starship Enterprise, the, the main characters in the show, um, they're like an ideal team, right? They all work together very well and they, they accomplish their missions. And I think because of, of that cohesion, you can see that each of them is really serving a um, very fundamental role, something that is, is reflected in the solar system and in, in the planetary archetypes. So each of these characters we can see, we've, we've been able to see a correspondence between the role that they serve in the crew, the, the function that they fulfill, um, and this planetary archetype. And not so much in terms of the character's personality itself, like the their own idiosyncrasies and character, but more the, the role that they play within the group of the crew. Yeah. So shall we start? Let's begin. Yes. So we're going to begin from the bottom up. So if you are familiar with the Kabbalistic tree of life, that's great. Um, if not, it's not important. We'll talk about it in conceptual terms. But uh, you should know that all of the planets and the terms that we talk about are actually have an area on a map and that map is the tree of life and looking at that map can really help you understand the relationship of these concepts so we shall begin with the bottom which is the lowest sphere on the kabbalistic tree which is malchut and malchut means kingdom and that corresponds to earth right and this is the most uh, manifest aspect of the tree, um, the most physical one, and basically the kingdom, uh, as we say in Kabbalah. And how do we see it in Star Trek? Uh, for us, the way we see it is not as a person, but rather as the starship itself. The starship enterprise is the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is the the vessel, the place where most of the, the show is taking place. Um, so it's sort of, you know, the, the ground, like like when we're here on the earth, Malchut is really the earth, but when you're exploring the stars, then, you know, it's like they're carrying a bit of earth with them through the, mm -hmm. the starship, which itself is like part of the advanced technology that they have is that they can have earth-like conditions mm -hmm. all over the galaxy you know, they, have yeah, they gravity, have gravity they have 
air they can breathe you know basically it like creates an artificial earth in space yeah absolutely it's it's a recreation of earth and they have even have a replicator they can replicate food which is very convenient uh could be nice to have such a thing yeah it would be okay so we've established that the starship is the starship enterprise corresponds to earth could to the kingdom now if we go upwards in the tree of life we have basically three pillars but we're now going to talk about the middle pillar and now the next sphere on that middle pillar is uh, called foundation and it corresponds to the moon and so the character that we found corresponds with the moon and with foundation is the counselor Deanna Troy so she is the the ship's counselor and the, the counselor to the captain um, and what's interesting about her is that she is half human half uh, Betazoid um, from a planet called Beta Z and the interesting special thing about this species is that they are telepathic um, and so for Diana, since she's half human, she's not as telepathic as um, full betazoids, but she is empathic. She can mm-hmm. um, sense other people's emotions. Yeah, she's basically reflecting people's emotions. She's a reflector, like the moon, which reflects light from the sun. The moon in astrology is... Um, almost always associated with emotion, with sensitivity, with caring and nurturing. Um, And so we can really see all of these qualities in um, Deanna, that she is, um, because of her empathic awareness, um, she is very sensitive to people's needs and and, um, is able to use her abilities Mm -hmm. to help not only the captain but everyone uh, the whole crew of the ship that Mm -hmm. come to see her when they have emotional problems yes she brings another sense to the ship she has an advantage this empathic advantage which she uses every time to see if someone else if another star, star spaceship is hostile or not she can feel the if they're deceptive or not and she can feel if someone is duplicitous or not, if they have tension in them or if they're clear. Um, she can really feel people's emotions, yeah, which really corresponds to the archetypal meaning of the moon. And when you think about what the mission of the Enterprise is to explore um, new worlds and, and find new life, her ability to... Um, sense feelings it helps a lot in that mission of like when they encounter a new possible something that might be a, a new life form she can say whether it is alive because she can sense mm-hmm. whether it has feelings so like that that allows them to really know if they've come across life or not yeah yeah I, I like the role of Troy um, Diana Troy because she brings something in that in our society is not very appreciated. 
which is this empathic ability. Um, if you're empathic, then you are usually judged as being too sensitive and you cannot work in, 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 a, in a working place. Uh, today which is very authoritarian and you have to go by the rules and there is no place for emotions you know usually we say you have to separate your emotions from work there is work and there is emotions that's how we treat work in our society so what I like about Star Trek is that they bring the emotions to work and there it's an integral part of the spaceship it cannot Deanna Troy saved their lives many many times because of her premonitions because of her uh, empathic understanding of the other yeah and it's interesting that i mean in the show they use this idea of being a different species from another planet so that she has these enhanced abilities but you know we we normal humans also have empathic awareness to to some degree not maybe not quite as intimate as you know this purported ability but it's still like it reflects something that actually exists in us Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely a lot of the characters are also a bit like humans even though they're not humans they there are you there are humans that are like them there are humans like data humans like mr Worf. we'll get to him later Yeah. yeah different species kind of serve to exaggerate human traits you know like make isolate one human trait and make it like more obvious and more mm-hmm. like salient characteristic yeah so diana troy is the moon is the foundation of the ship and then we move upwards and on the tree of life the center of the tree is called tif eret which is beauty which corresponds with not else but the sun sol and uh, the alchemical sol the sun um, which is the center of the solar system it is the thing that moves the solar system forward in the galaxy it is leading and it brings light it brings life and it is the center of all decisions it is the king it corresponds with the archetype of the king Yes, and so of course in Star Trek, the king of the ship is the captain, the, mm-hmm. the sun at the center. The yep, that really represents the essence of the whole ship and its crew is Captain Jean Luc Picard. Mm-hmm. Yes, Captain Jean Luc Picard is the sun. Everyone is around him. Everyone uh, orbits around him, and he's leading them. He's making the decisions. Um, but Picard is definitely not a, you know, he's not a despotic, tyrannical mm-hmm. ruler. He, he's, he's a good king. He's a, a, yeah, he's a good king. He's He does have a lot of authority and he, he uses his authority and he embodies that authority. But in a way that, you know, he, he understands that he is, he has the whole crew, um, in his under his responsibility and he takes that very seriously yes he definitely takes a lot of responsibility for his work it is uh, noticeable uh, if he happened to kill someone he feels uh, very a lot of guilt over that even though he did 
um, he followed all the protocols and he did the right thing to protect himself, he feels really bad because um, he is there to to serve the mission of the of the Starship Enterprise, which we'll get to it later. So he's very conscientious as well, which is also related to what we talk about when we talk about the center of the soul, the center of the tree of life, which is a representation of the soul. That center corresponds with the heart, and the heart chakra. And the heart is the place of conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's at the center, it's the center of our being, it's the center of the tree of life. So the center really is where harmony and um, integrity is found because the center has to balance all the extremities, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the, the sun, sol, really represents this, this integral center and, and also corresponds with uh, the Jungian idea of the self, the, the archetype of wholeness. Mm-hmm. that makes something an individual. It's interesting you mentioned it, it does correspond with the self, which is Jung's idea of the wholeness that includes both our conscious and our unconscious, um, all of our complexes, all of our parts, together integrated into one, which is different from the ego, which is the I, Uh, in capital I, which is the I that speaks. Whenever you say I, you refer to the ego, which is that image of you, of yourself. How do you see yourself? Your self-image, so to speak. That is your ego. Uh, A lot of people talk about bad things about the ego. Um, You need to transcend your ego, to kill your ego. I don't pay the slightest mind to these things. The ego is the foundation of the psyche. So it's very important to uh, respect the ego, but also know that there is a, another thing above the ego, which is the self. And so the relationship between the ego and the self is the same relationship as between the moon and the sun. Mm-hmm. The ego is the moon and the sun is the self. And so we can kind of see that relationship reflected in the relationship between um, the captain Picard and Counselor Troy. That like, um, you know, the captain really relies on Troy, consults her whenever um, he needs advice. Like he takes he takes mm-hmm. her advice very seriously because he recognizes that she has um, a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Because can, I think... Part of what we see with Picard is that he he's sort of like he do, he doesn't have as much emotional sensitivity as as mm-hmm. Deanna. He's sort of above it. It seems you know he's sort mm-hmm. of he has a more objective intellectual standpoint. Um, Absolutely. And so, but he he knows that he is lacking something, and so like he consults Troy because she has that you know closer to the earth sort of. Um, awareness. Now we're going to move to what's above them, which is uh, on the tree of life corresponds to Da'at. Da'at is knowledge and knowledge uh, corresponds on the spaceship to the computer. 
computer that knows everything. All the knowledge is there, found on the computer. And that's something that goes, that keeps, it keeps continuity, right, to, to, the, to the starship. You can always refer to that information. Yeah. And I would say the computer plays a fairly significant role in the show, you know, that they are always asking the computer for information or leaving logs for the computer or hmm. asking the computer to make a program in the holodeck that they interact with, you know, like it's it has a major role even though the computer doesn't really have a personality mm-hmm. <laughs> or or a body other than the ship itself. Mm-hmm. Um which is interesting because that's kind of how the sphere of, of Da'at is um, described as sort of the hidden sephirah. It's, it's sometimes not drawn on the tree, sometimes is, um, because knowledge is sort of um, invisible, you know. It's not, not something you can locate anywhere. Yeah, and the thing you mentioned before, the holodeck is an interesting example for that. Because that, we think about it as something that projects. It projects knowledge onto the world. When you know something, you know, you say, I know it, or I know a person. And that uh, knowledge comes when you project something on reality that you already have internally. And we can see that in the holodeck, which is a wonderful simulation that can just create everything you want like a whole other world, people even, um, and just project them into some form. They take some form, and that is something that the computer does, The that. It can project a certain experience or a certain fantasy even. Um, now, um, the sphere, the Kabbalistic sphere of knowledge, that traditionally it doesn't correspond to any pl- planet, but um, according to some, it corresponds to Pluto. We don't see the, really the correspondence to Pluto right now. If you know, please let us know. Otherwise, we'll uh, continue uh, upwards. So now we're in, we're in Keter. Keter. Keter is the crown. Corresponds in the chakra system to the crown chakra. Um, and that is the, the, the mission of the of the starship enterprise basically we we encounter the kettle wherever we we begin the watching the show and then it says this is the starship enterprise it's continuing a mission to explore strange new worlds and so on and so on this exploration the mission itself and the prime directive you might say the set of rules um, or the constitution of the of the spaceship is the Keter. And Keter corresponds to Neptune. Neptune. The planet Neptune. Um, and since Keter is is the topmost sphere of the tree of life, it's at the very top, it's the crown. So it's really the place of divinity, connection to the connection to the divine. Um, and Obviously, Star Trek is a very, a mostly sort of secular vision of of things, and their society is not certainly overtly religious, but there definitely is a sort of idealism connected to 
the federation and the like you said the mission the prime directive like that is really what motivates everything that they do the mm-hmm. the, the captain is always thinking about their mission and following the prime directive and that's the reason that the ship exists in the first place so like everything kind of always goes back to that like that's mm-hmm. the the guiding force of the whole thing yes the prime directive is very interesting is a very interesting code because the, their purpose is to explore not to fight not to conquer um, sometimes they have to fight if they are uh, if they have to protect themselves but that's not their mission uh, their mission is to explore and assist people who ask for help from them, but not to intervene in other people's evolution or to give them technologies that are ahead of their time or tell them they are deceived when they are deceived by other people, for example. They have to kind of stay detached and objective that is part part of the their code is like this detachment and also a little bit a hint of naturalism in the sense of with they're going to let things develop naturally they're going to let other civilizations and people to develop naturally but if they're on the level that they can communicate and be in the same like technological and psychological level as as the humans of the 24th century then they will establish contact with them and achieve peace peace is also a very the most important perhaps objective of the of the starship enterprise yeah and that is a very neptunian theme um and i can also see how like the idea that like neptune very much for me represents the idea that um everything is connected that you know all boundaries are permeable and and you know everything in the universe is is connected in some way and so i think the crew of the enterprise and the of this officers of starfleet really keep this truth in mind and that that's part of their their mission is like you know we are connected to everything that happens if we interfere in a new civilization like we could have a uh, harmful effects we need to be careful about how we interfere um mm-hmm. so i can yeah. kind of see that that connection to sort of boundlessness and an understanding of interconnection mm-hmm. yes that's that's quite an enlightened aspect of that show that we are all connected as one and we need to achieve peace and not just fight each other or take advantage of it of each other they're not the ferengi the Ferengi is a species um, bred and adapted for commerce and profit. But they're not like the Starship Enterprise, who are more, uh, I guess, spiritual in nature, you know? Yeah, I think the, the Ferengi kind of represent a little bit more what humanity is right now in today's <laughs> yeah. world. Driven they, only by profit and greed and, and yeah. very cunning you know mm-hmm. yeah all right so we talked about the middle pillar now we'll go back to the tree of life and go upwards again but from the middle pillars hey, fr- sorry from the outer pillars um all right so now we're going to begin with hod which means glory 
and corresponds to the planet and the archetype of Mercury. Now, who is Mercury? Mercury on the Enterprise is Mr. Data, or L- Lieutenant Commander Data, who is an android. He's not human. He's not a uh, biological life form. He's an artificial life form. He's, he's sort of like a robot that is just very sophisticated and um, has consciousness, has a will of his own. Um, but he, a, a big part of the show and his character is that he doesn't have emotions. He's not human. He, he doesn't understand humor. He doesn't understand you know, why people react emotionally in certain ways, um, which really represents this mercurial um, aspect of, of being um, representing just the, the intellect and the curiosity. Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people who are like Mr. Data. He's very uh, calculated, and that corresponds to Mercury, right? The planet Mercury, which is all about thinking and learning also. Hod, the sphere of, uh, the Kabbalistic sphere of Hod, uh, refers to learning. And he's very good at learning. I mean, it's easy for him. He just gathers data, and he can use the, the information very easily. And he also, even though he's not human, has a lot of curiosity about what does it mean to be human. There was a part when he's getting really curious about laughter and humor, and he wonders if he himself can laugh. When other people are afraid, scared, intimidated, like Worf and others, he's curious. Uh, He's not that afraid to die. He's just curious about it. He's not that, although he does seem to be afraid about it, but he just has a a big, big, big curiosity, which corresponds with the mercurial spirit. Yeah, oftentimes when uh, Captain Picard asks a question, uh, Mr. Data elaborates more and more, and he has to stop him. He just loves to talk about what he knows. Yeah, you can see that Data fulfills a very mercurial role in that, you know, Captain Picard calls on him when he needs um, to synthesize information very quickly, to, to mm-hmm. understand something. Hypothesize to, to also. Hy- to hypothesize, yeah. Yeah, and create a theory. Mm-hmm. When they are perplexed and they don't know what's going on, they ask uh, Data, what are your hypotheses? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and science, basically, because he provides the scientific mind. Um, these are my, my hypotheses. That's how we can check them. And that's how we can find the truth. He's seeking truth. Mm-hmm. That is Mr. Data. Well, now we're going to move to the sphere of Netzach, which is eternity, which corresponds to the archetype and planet of Venus, also known as Aphrodite. In her Greek name. So, um, Aphrodite is an archetype of lust, of sensuality, perhaps. But from the Kabbalistic perspective, from the Netzach perspective, it is more like a habitual energy, more like instinct. We can think of it like instinct. So, it's instinct, it's sensuality, it is harmony, it is 
in our body, the Venus in our body, you might say, is what keeps us harmonious and beautiful, you might say. What keeps us whole and symmetry is also related to that. Now, in the starship, who corresponds to Venus? That would be Dr. Crusher, Beverly Crusher. I think she represents Venus in the crew and she is the doctor. She's in charge of the sick bay and basically it takes care of the health of um, the crew and anyone that they they come across in their voyages yeah and dr crusher also has a sensual side um she has an empathic side uh she's really like soft in her speech and she, there is some tension between her and Captain Picard. There is some um, romantic or sexual tension that's going on between them that they kind of play around it, but they don't consummate the energy, which really corresponds with the archetype of Aphrodite, which is kind of a seductress. You can look, but don't touch. Yeah, Yeah, Venus is definitely kind of a a tease, Mm -hmm. and we we can see that a little bit with with Crusher and and her relationship with Picard. Yeah, but as you said earlier, also her role in in the whole spaceship is to keep the harmony, to keep people healthy and to heal them. A lot of people that were injured uh, in the show with 21st century medicine, they would die. But uh, with the help of Dr. Crusher, she can easily heal people in the worst conditions ever so that's how she keeps the starship alive and healthy and uh, continuing with it with its mission mm-hmm. yeah she brings the harmony and the balance to the ship so now we're gonna move up upwards again to the archetype archetype of mars mars the god of war which corresponds to the kabbalistic sphere of gevoah or gvoa, uh, which means heroism. Or courage. Or courage, yeah, it's the same root. Now, courage, Mars, who is that on the Enterprise? This one's obvious, it's the Klingon, Mr. Worf. Uh, absolutely. Mr. Worf is the, uh, the warrior. He's always suspicious of other people. His caution can lead to attack quite quickly, but he's tempered down because he's just one member of this of the spaceship. So everyone listens, and usually Captain Picard says, your caution is noted, Mr. Worf, he says all the time, because he pays attention to, to danger, and he's uh, willing to fight and die. Actually, in fact, the Klingon people are people who are very honor-based. They live in an honor uh, society where um, to die in war is very honorable. Yeah, it's like the best thing that you can do as a Klingon is to die gloriously in battle defending your people. So Worf is never afraid to go into a fight. He's, He's not like... I wouldn't say that he's like super aggressive um, necessarily. I mean, 
like he he can he can control himself yeah but, he can um he certainly never backs down from a fight when it's necessary when when this ship has to defend itself from attackers yeah and again like everybody else he also saved this the starship many times um yeah uh, fighting is part of life i know that a lot of people do not like that they're pacifists they believe you can be in complete peace but peace is just the opposite of war and you cannot have one without the other that's how i see it and that's how it's represented in the show because the show represents like the part of reality um in order to keep the peace sometimes you have to fight and that's what the klingons do and if you pay attention really to their culture there is something romantic about the way they live their life uh the way they treat their partner the way they they're very passionate yeah they're they're passionate creatures yeah and that's how i see the role of the mars archetype and and gvoa is um the courage to fight against what you judge to be unjust what what needs mm-hmm. to be what needs to be destroyed because it's preventing um peace and health and you know goodness yes it, it that archetype is there in order to have the courage to f- say no and to to fight against um a threat like that and we can you know see that that same energy at work in our own bodies and you know we in like our immune system for example mm. or and like or like a adrenaline you know that like when we come across a threat somewhere you know out in nature or whatever the our body gets flooded with adrenaline so that we can mm-hmm. fight or or flee you know and that's a very martian response yeah it is this instinct that we all have to fight um things that are harmful for us if our body was a pacifist we would die by viruses and bacteria and a lot of intruders we have to fight some things in order to keep the balance and keep health and harmony that's why in the greek mythology there is something going on between um, mars and venus they are they were actually married in a couple but the, no they weren't married oh, but they were lovers oh they were lovers okay venus was married to hephaestus the smith god but hmm yeah all right yeah there's a whole other story there we won't get into it now all right so that was klingen mr mars now we're going to move to the sort of the opposite of him or the other pole of 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 Mars which is Jupiter. And Jupiter is the god of expansion, the god of belief, trust, exploration as well, uh pleasure and encouragement. That is a good word. Encouraging the other and that that's that's what Jupiter is about. Jupiter is also known as Zeus. in the in Greek mythology and in the show we see him corresponds to none else but number 1 Riker uh, commander Riker uh so he is the the one that explores is the, the, the explorer of the ship he goes out to and an in a way team always to another planet to dangerous places to explore 
and it also has um, a pleasure-seeking aspect of him. He likes the women, and women likes him, and there is always something going on between them. And he is, yeah, on that aspect, he's more gracious. He's more on the gracious side, which is what uh, how this sphere is called in in the tree of Kabbalah. It is called um, Chesed, which means grace. Yeah, and you can see, especially in comparison to Lieutenant Worf, that Riker is is less prone to to fight. As my he. He can fight, but he's more interested in um, exploring and finding pleasure in in experiences that they have. Um, and also, just kind of physically, Riker is the biggest. He's the tallest. He's a big, tall man with a beard, very imposing. Like you can see that he has this this Jupiterian quality of the, the kind of the big protector. Like Jupiter is also very much a, mm. uh, a protector mm-hmm. um, even astronomically the planet Jupiter is it's the biggest in the solar system and it protects the inner solar system from asteroids and stuff so definitely mm-hmm. I can see that that aspect of Riker too as sort of the the big protector yes it does protect against all sorts of uh, intruders and again you can see it in his look, right? He's always like leaning on one side with his one eye kind of closed and the other is more open. Like he gives always gives you a suspicious look. Mr. Ark is suspicious. He's graceful but suspicious. He knows uh, when to protect to protect when he has to. Okay, so let's move on now to the planet. Saturn, the archetype of Saturn, which corresponds to the sphere of uh, Bina, or understanding, in the Tree of Life. Mm-hmm. So, which character corresponds with Saturn? So, that would be Jordi, because Saturn is an archetype of, uh, of systems, of uh, theoretical systems, but also practical systems, like the systems of the engines, the mechanics, the electronics. Um, that is what uh, that's what Saturn gov- governs uh, all kinds of systems and Jordi is the kind of person who really understands the, the, the system of the starship he can increase speed decrease speed and they always consult with him um, how far they can use the engines without um, without going out of energy and that corresponds to, to, to the meaning of Saturn, who usually, who puts limits to people. He is the kind of archetype that says no to things. Whenever, most of the times that um, Captain Picard communicates with Geordi uh, LaForge, he's asking him, like, what are our limits? How, how fast can we get out of here? Or how much power can you give me? So you can see that he's, it's, you mm-hmm. know, like the sun consulting Saturn, like okay, what, what is our outer boundary? What what can what do we have to stay within? Um, all right, so now let's move on to the final uh, planet, which is Uranus, which corresponds to the Kabbalistic sphere of Chokhmah, which means wisdom. Now, the who is the wise character there? It is Gainen, right? That's is that her full name? 
Um, I don't think they ever say any other name. I think just yeah. Gainen is yeah. Yeah. All right. So Gainen is the is the wise one. Everyone goes to her to talk to her, and she is patient. She has wisdom, and she understands everyone, everyone, and she's intuitive. She can sense when things are different, when they jump to another timeline and everyone is oblivious, for example, to that fact. She pays attention. She pays attention to small things and she gives people a lot of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even Picard will go and consult with her when he is at a loss, you know, and mm -hmm. he can't solve some problem, he needs some advice, he goes to her because he knows that she has a lot of wisdom. She she's kind of a mysterious character her origins are kind of only hinted at and they say that you know she, she's from some planet that was destroyed um long ago and so she's just sort of this final survivor um but she often is able to give advice that is really insightful really changes people's perspective and that's a very Uranian thing because Uranus is is you know the archetype of the the innovator the revolutionary that that gets you know strikes of genius and and um, so I can see how she she kind of plays that role she can help people change perspective she really is a bit of a trickster as well I, I know that the astrologer Richard Tarnas calls Uranus a trickster the cosmic trickster Usually Mercury is known as the trickster, but Uranus also is a bit of a trickster. For example, when um, when Diana Troy has a crisis and she wants to quit because of that, then Guinan doesn't tell her, no, you shouldn't, you're still good for the job, which everyone else told her. She uh, she tells her, oh, I want to take your job. I'm all, I can also be a good counselor. I, can I take your job now? She, she puts people into thought experiments and uh, she gives people answers that they don't expect to get just to give them another perspective mm -hmm. and that's that's a very important role so now we've just talked about the whole tree of life Kabbalistic tree of life and all the astrological correspondences of the starship so uh, isn't that beautiful you know how we can see the solar system represented in in a show that is so iconic, literally iconic. Yeah, I think there's a reason that it really resonates with a lot of people, um, is because it's you know this these characters are really representing um, you know the the microcosm of our solar system within the universe, um, and each of us can can relate to these different archetypes in, in one way or another. Um, and as I said before, the crew is like really an ideal team because they've got, a, they've got everything covered, you know, they've got someone for each important role that needs to be played. And so, yeah, that's, uh, it's really a, a beautiful work of art. So that was a pleasure to talk to you about this, Danny. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, maybe for just so the listeners will know, we just this idea came to us last night. We were just sitting and, and talking in the evening um, after watching an episode of Star Trek, which, by the way, we just discovered 
like a few months ago we di we didn't we didn't watch it we've never watched it before that and we really can see the could see the correspondences all of a sudden this insight came to us um and we we thought that would be nice to share with you that you'd like to hear that so we hope you enjoyed and uh see you next time Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure, Eliar, and we hope you'll join us for the next episode of Alchemical Conversations. Bye-bye.